This this is the Impressions Exchange Podcast. Impressions Exchange Podcast. Where all topics impacting the graphic imaging and printing industry are addressed via in-depth news coverage, analysis, and timely interviews. Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Roberts, the host of the Impressions Exchange podcast series. In this episode, we have some very special content planned for you. First up, I will be speaking with Wide Format Impressions Senior Editor Tony McQuilkin and overall editor extraordinaire for the printing and packaging group here at Napco Media and Printing United Alliance. You'll want to stick around because later in the episode, we will share an incredible discussion our senior editor Dan Marks had with Chris White, Executive Director of Sales at the Imagine Group. Their discussion served as the jumping off point for me and Tony to discuss the importance of investments in technology, the hardships of hiring, and the value of added services. Tony, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show and to bring in the wide format perspective because there are a lot of really cool things happening in your space, right? There are. It it is uh, wide format is is to me one of the most exciting elements of print right now because something is always new always changing um it's so fascinating to see what people come up with that you know every time i talk to a printer they've got some new application that i didn't even think of right right and so that segues perfectly into our discussion today so um you know, different applications and, and evolving the evolving space, it's something that Chris and Dan talked about and the importance of tech and investments. So during your 21 years of experience in the printing industry, have you gotten the sense that the success of a company rests on the investments in tech that it makes? Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, I hear some of the terms sometimes when I'm talking to printers like, you know, bleeding edge or, you know, and I don't think they need to be quite that, um, you know, tech heavy in terms of that they need to all automatically be investing in the latest and greatest as soon as it hits the market. But I do think that the shops that have survived, the ones that I talk to that are are really doing well, even through these last couple of years where there's been a lot of hardship, are the ones that make very strategic investments regularly. They're constantly keeping up with what that new technology is and they're looking for how it works into their shops and how they can use it. It, It's not investing in technology for technology's sake, but recognizing that you have to stay on top of technology if you want to continue to be relevant to your customers. Right, right. And I think that's, um, you know, something that we write about a lot in the magazines, you know, different things that printers are doing to kind of make sure that we're emphasizing the fact that you've got to keep evolving and you've got to keep offering new things to your customers and what things that customers want and what they're demanding. So really important. Absolutely. I mean, quality changes and, and, you know, you don't necessarily need to be every single year upgrading to it. I mean, that it'll be fairly iterative at that point, but every couple of years, the, the quality, the speed, um, the types of print that it can be done, the inks even have changed so much that that anyone who's not staying as part of that cycle and that upgrade, they're they're going to be left behind. Right, right. So something else that Chris and Dan talked about was hiring. So you know, as we know, it's incredibly hard right now, not just in the printing industry, um, to find qualified candidates. So 
um, you know, we're just coming off of the Inkjet Summit that was a couple weeks ago, and it was a big topic because it's driving the need for automation. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. And so what have you heard when talking to printers in the wide format space about hiring? It, it's, it's funny that hiring isn't just something for wide format. It's not just for printers. It's, it's across the board. Um, but one of the things I'm consistently hearing is that the people who are hiring and when they are managing to get people in that they really you can't just be offering a salary i i think at these this day and age a competitive salary is just assumed as are some benefits like you know a 401k or, or you know your standard benefits they're just assumed people who are job hunting they're looking for company culture they're looking for a company that respects their work-life balance um, I, I think all shops that, that are looking to hire have to go beyond just, we're gonna post a, a job listing um, with a competitive salary and leave it at that. It, it's, it's a complete, you know, I wanna say, I don't wanna say 180, cause that's fairly cliche, but it, it really is thinking about hiring and the workforce in a completely different way that I don't think printers in general have, have really ever had to deal with before, but the, the state of employment is just so vastly different these days. Definitely, definitely. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's differentiation. So, you know, what makes your company different than all the other ones out there that are trying to hire and what's going to bring in, you know, that qualified person. So it's definitely more than salary. Culture is, culture is huge. And, and chances for advancement. People aren't looking for, you know, just a job that they're gonna do the same thing for the next 30 years. They're looking for positions where the company has room for growth, has built in not only a path for growth for them, but will also offer them things like training, um, whether it's cross training in different departments or even formal training, it, it really is uh, they're, they're looking for ways that they can move forward with your company. And if you don't offer it to them, they're going to go somewhere that is going to offer them that path. Right, right. That's, that's so spot on. So another thing um, that Dan and Chris talked about was uh, value added services. So can you talk a little bit about what you have planned for wide format impressions this year, exploring value added services and what the audience can expect? Absolutely. So, you know, ironically, given we were just talking about you have to stay on top of technology, um, value-added services is about more than technology. Um, it, it, it seems counterintuitive, but you can't just buy a piece of equipment and put it in and call it a value-added service. Um, to me, and, and I know that Chris and, and Dan talk about this, is that it's about listening to the customers and moving in the direction that they're demanding. So value add can be anything from, you know, our customers are asking us for a specific type of product, or we need to be more consultative and be getting in early with the design of this project, or maybe it's something completely different that has nothing to do with print at all, like data management. Um, I, I think that when it comes to value added, it, it really has to be driven by your customer base and what they will actually find value in. And some of that is technology-based and some of that is just, you know, kind of listening. Um, and that's kind of the tactic we're taking with wide format impressions um, that we're looking at different verticals 
and different ways that you can tackle some of them. So whether it's going into a whole new marketplace um, and, and expanding your, your services that way, or whether it's coming in and saying, okay, you offer floor graphics, but here's some other ways to think about them that maybe you didn't think of before uh, that, that you know, can add value that maybe your, your poster customer doesn't even realize that they need floor graphics, or you know, maybe your, your retail customer that's doing signage doesn't realize that window graphics are something that they could benefit from. Um, so that's kind of the, the approach that we're taking with our, our feature stories and our coverage is to really try and give printers ideas about how they can use their current equipment, what equipment might benefit them if they do decide to invest, and then how to think beyond the equipment and, and how they can restructure and rethink about how they relate to their customers. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, it's it's more than just having the capabilities. It's being able to use those capabilities and work with your customers and be a partner to them. I think that's just such a great point. Absolutely. It, it can't just be, you know, the, the, the cliche, the old saying feeds and speeds that that's not the world of print anymore. And, you know, especially when we talk to to brand owners, they're not looking for just a printer. They don't want just a vendor. They want someone who's going to be a partner to them. And to me, that's where the value add comes in. It, it's the printer, the print shop who can come in and say, okay, yeah, we're a printer and we're doing all of this, you know, XYZ print work for you. But did you know we can also take over this for you? Did you know that we can also, you know, help you solve this problem? And I think that's what it comes down to is printers have to be problem solvers for their customers and not just print vendors. Yes, great points. And Tony, thank you so much. I, I think you brought a great perspective to this episode and I hope you'll come back on the show again. Absolutely. Again, thank you for having me. Of course. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss Dan's discussion with Chris of the Imagine Group coming up next. Hi, this is Dan Marks with the Impressions Exchange podcast. I'm delighted to be talking with Chris White, Executive Director of Sales at the Imagine Group, located in Chicopee, Minnesota. Welcome. Thanks, Dan. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to chat today. And big, big congratulations, first of all, to the Imagine Group for being listed number one in the wide format impressions recently published WFI 100 list. As a company, how does Imagine describe itself? Well, first of all, thanks for the recognition, uh, uh, something we're incredibly proud of. Um, Imagine uh, describes itself, we're the leading provider of visual communications for some of the top retail brands in grocery, C-Store, Quick Serve. Uh, we also serve the healthcare entertainment markets as well. Um, and, and we describe ourselves as bringing solutions to our customers that, that really enhance the experience of their customers. We see our role today as connecting the in-store experience with our customers' omni-channel marketing strategies. Over Overused word, but the confluence of the entire consumer message from engagement all the way through the last few feet uh, of the store. Uh, and that that involves delivering some pretty high uh, high quality, complex solutions and marketing uh, communications tools to our customers. Um, we've got an incredible team of experts and consultants who uh, work with our clients from the creative and design phase all the way through the execution and ongoing uh, management of their campaigns um, with a relentless focus on precision and speed 
uh, but never, never missing that quality is the number one factor uh, that our clients are looking for. And we do that for some of the most loved brands on the planet. Okay, great. Um, so while Imagine is, is the biggest producer, according to the, the list, it's, it's safe to say the company isn't just a bigger version of other companies serving the sign and graphics segment. And I think you kind of alluded to that in your, your previous answer. So how is Imagine different inside the walls and how does it present itself differently uh, to the world? It's a great question. Um, and, and I think there's a number of factors that play into that. Um, one of which is uh, it's been said since 1988, there is no security in being the biggest uh, there's only security in being the best, right? But being the biggest is a byproduct of being the best. So, uh, but there's a few things that set us apart. So, number one, it's our horsepower. the The length and breadth of our capabilities is unrivaled today in the marketplace, um, as well as our uh, focus on uh, technology, both internal and external. External being customer facing, mm -hmm. uh, we can do more. Uh, faster, candidly, than anyone else, uh, from complex kitting of individual kits uh, by store uh, to uh, the delivery of our Nozami equipment that allows us to print on almost any substrate in a digital format at speeds that rival traditional uh, litho. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just that. I mean, we're we, the overused term is partner, right? But we we really see ourselves as an extension uh, an extension of our customers' business. We love the challenge uh, of the seemingly uh, of the seemingly impossible. Uh, we don't think anybody ideates and delivers as as quickly as we can. Uh, I think we push ourselves internally harder than our customers do. Um, for example, many years ago, we saw the need for our clients to reduce their number of suppliers, uh, as well as the time it takes to get to market. And so we, we built a company uh, that serves the entire customer supply chain and reduces the reliance on multiple sets of partners. Uh, we've heavily invested in technology that reduces the number of touches and reduces the number of clicks um, uh, that basically allows our customers to deliver their solutions uh, at speed and velocity um, that that is in direct proportion to what their customers are demanding. I'll give you an example. One of our clients is a, is a, is a national C-store company and they approached us uh, right after the announcement of an acquisition that was gonna dramatically increase the number of stores. And their concerns were, we don't wanna lose speed to market. Uh, we're gonna become more complex. Uh, we are gonna need to be able to, to uh, merge and, and combine uh, a, multiple, a multitude of brands eventually into one. Um, and we were at the table through the entire planning process with that client uh, from the kind of post announcement of the acquisition all the way through to the implementation. And I think that's just a really good example of uh, how we behave differently. If we were just a printer, um, we would have gotten an RFP and maybe participated in a pricing exercise. Uh, this was, I think, the highest level of business engagement where we were at the table as they planned this integration. Okay. It seems like that that idea of being a, a higher level provider or a higher level producer is really sort of baked into the core of the company. That's correct. Yeah, can you um, briefly just lead me through the history of the company? When and as what did the company begin and what was sure. that journey like from then until now? 
Yeah, it's a great story. Thanks for asking. Um, one of my favorite stories to tell. So the company started in 1988. A gentleman by the name of Bob Lothenbach uh, founded Bob's Printing. Uh, and uh, it was a couple thousand dollars of seed money and a borrowed press. Uh, and over a number of years, built organically built a company to $200 million in revenue. It's just one of the great stories. Wow. Um, since then, we've made a number of acquisitions, which have all been customer driven, uh, where we're rounding out and adding on to our capabilities to meet customer demand. So things like uh, soft signage or dye sublimation printing, direct mail, uh, variable data for retail, you know, taking digital all the way to the shelf edge, out of home branded environments. Uh, just last year, our ownership structure uh, restructured our balance sheet that allowed us to reinvest in the business, eliminating virtually all of our company debt mm. and infusing the company with capital, capital to be able to grow. So what started in 1988 as a small commercial printing company has grown into the largest supplier to the retail market. And our excitement is pretty strong about the fact that we're in a great place to serve the client and grow uh, and grow as the industry grows and evolves. Wow, okay, thank you for that. Um, so almost 10 years ago, I had the pleasure of participating in a customer event um, at Imagine. And at the time I was just blown away uh, that the company had so many processes under one roof. Um, it seemingly, seemingly had one of everything, uh, so to speak. Is the company's strategy still that multi-process, multi-product as it was then, or is it more so or less so? Uh, I'd say the company's strategy then and now is to provide the complete solution to our customer. Um, we've obviously added components and competencies over the years. Um, I think the why to that is customers want they want partners that they can deliver uh, that can deliver on their promises. And um, our our approach to that has been to manage every step of the execution internally. Every single decision we make uh, we make in terms of uh, what our clients uh, want from us in terms of services and capabilities, whether it's making decisions on uh, press equipment and what press or printing capabilities to provide um, is driven by what the customer demand is and mm -hmm. our ability to service their entire supply chain. Um, from a raw materials perspective, uh, uh, the need to not just operate, especially in today's environment with a tight supply chain, sure. um, knowing what's available in the marketplace, aligning that with what the customer's needs are, knowing what the alternatives are, but also with an eye on sustainability, which continues to be a major factor on the part of our companies. Um, the, the sort of end of the process related to finishing and folding and all those services that turn those signs and, and graphics into what they're supposed to be. And then all the way through to highly complex kidding. We just believe controlling the supply chain creates two things, confidence on the part of the customer, we can get it done, sure. but also confidence yep. on our part that we're gonna be able to control it. And then underpinning all of that is a million and a half square feet of manufacturing space that makes us able to deliver within two to three days, the entire continental United States. So wow. okay. um, we, our approach has always been to deliver for our customers uh, where they want it, when they want it, uh, and and whenever they need it. And in terms of, uh, you know, it, it, this is just a kind of a quick follow-up on this, but in terms of having, you know, all those technologies under the roof, is it is it done in response to customer demands or is it anticipating customer, customer demands saying, we understand that our customers will be wanting X um, coming up, let's invest in that, or is it more... Uh, horse before the cart or cart before the horse? A great question. Uh, I guess it's based on the size of your bank account, right? No, 
Um, but what, here's what I would here's what I would say. We're incredibly curious. So it's a function of looking into the uh, availability in the marketplace. What emerging technologies are there, and then tying that back to what our customers are telling us, um, and and meeting the need where. Uh, the customer, where the customer is, but where the customer is going, you know, um, um, and that, and that just takes being incredibly curious. So in some cases, it's knowing that the marketplace is going in this direction and you need to invest in newer technology for what you're already doing. In other cases, it's anticipating what the client wants. The, the, the rise of personalization and localization in the marketplace today, relevant messaging by geography, ethnicity, uh, pricing uh, is driving the digital world heavily, both in terms of one-to-one -one marketing, but also uh, store signage. And our investment in Nizami equipment is a great example of, of meeting that need. Okay. So over your sort of, um, I guess, 16 plus years with the company, what would you say are some of the key technologies or strategic initiatives the company has taken that have really um, served to supercharge it, allowed it to grow and succeed? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the, the event that you were able to attend a number of years ago. It was called Navigate. And um, that was as much a listening event as it was an educational opportunity for our customers uh, and our prospective customers. We've never, ever stopped listening. As I said before, we're incredibly curious. Um, we embrace technology, whether it's ones and zeros to make it easier for our customer to deal with us, or it's the acquisition of equipment. Now, I will say we like to be leading edge, not bleeding edge. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and that requires uh, investment, uh, continuous investment, both on the on the capital side and on the technology side. Um, but I would say that that those investments have made us among uh, the most highly regarded in the industry today. And I'll give you one example. Um, a number of years ago, uh, in listening to our customers talk about complexity uh, and and the uniqueness of their locations, uh, custom kitting has continued to be a, a major focus in the retail industry. Uh, and we installed and instituted a pick to light system, uh, which is technology driven. Okay. And in essence, uh, it allows us to deliver uh, custom specific kits with 99% accuracy, documented wow. reportable accuracy. And when you think about uh, the cost of uh, uh, printed materials that aren't needed, uh, a pick to light system where you're creating custom kits cuts down on two things, one cost, but it also cuts down on time because you're not having to manufacture as much. Um, and at the same time, uh, this allows us to manage and control quality before anything ever gets to the stores. Um, I, think, I think two other things really quickly. One is uh, our customers are incredibly loyal to us. And I think that's a, a reason uh, or, a, or a, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, that's a function of the fact that we, are, uh, we do what we say we're gonna do uh, and we stay in our lane, if you will. And then lastly, and I'll let you get to your next question, but uh, our people are the single biggest advantage we have. And I know every company has to say that, uh, but we have the best people in the industry. I mean, we're a, we're a company founded in 1988 and every month we're celebrating 30, 35 year plus uh, uh, employment histories with our folks. They will go through walls for our customers and for each other. Yeah, I love to hear that. Just uh, backing up a little bit, this this pick to light system. Uh, my understanding is that um, as the kitting is done, uh, a system is essentially indicating which pieces go into each individual kit. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not going to give away all the secrets, Dan. But okay. uh, but in essence, the system, uh, the technology that sits in behind the system, tells the staff 
which elements to pick to put in the kit so that so that that franchisee or that store manager is getting exactly what they need and their store labor costs go down because they don't need to be sorting through the boxes to figure out what to put up exactly yeah great that's um so um how uh, have the challenges of the past two years when COVID has such had such a stranglehold on the world changed Imagine as a company? And what was one key factor for the company weathering the storm? I'll give you three really quickly. I think okay. number one, number one, Imagine, our business is incredibly diversified. So within the retail sector, we've ser- we serve a number of different constituencies, C-Store, QSR, traditional retail. Um, and, and that's provided stability for our business. At the same time, uh, we have other markets that are complementary uh, that have been strong as well. Um, that said, uh, I think we all agree that the nature and the need and the demand for for our services changed radic- uh, radically. Our customers yeah. began to rely on us just to help them keep connected to the brand that they that they were. Whether we were trying to integrate with omnichannel or changing promotions due to raw material supplies or staffing or shifting to pivot a new way of engaging, um, we've had to be incredibly flexible and adaptable. Um, and more responsive. And, and I'll say this, you don't flip that switch in a, in a given year. That's a culture that's built up over time. And we take a lot of pride in, in a customer first approach. The good news is what we're seeing is store openings on the rise again. We're right. seeing traditional online retailers becoming brick and mortar retailers. New revenue streams are opening up in the, in the realm of online pickup in store, curbside mm-hmm. pickup, uh, personalization. Um, and then I think, you know, we've, we've just had a relentless focus on the customer. Um, it, you know, if we can help them be successful uh, and help them weather the storm, then, then we're going to weather the storm today. And I think supply chain specific to raw materials is a great example. Um, our, our connectivity to those markets, our connections in the, in, in the raw materials industry, um, our flexibility and ability to offer alternatives as well as alternative print methods mm-hmm. gives us an opportunity to still meet the customer need despite those challenges. And then the last thing I'll say is our people came to work every day, Dan. Um, yeah. uh, they picked up the slack when, when COVID instances occurred in the facility, uh, and we were able to meet our customer commitments uh, despite the challenges. Yeah, I, I I applaud you for those efforts. And I think one of the things I hear in there is you talk about the diversification of the business. And, you know, if you look at things like just personal financial planning, that mm-hmm. idea of diversifying your portfolio so you can take a hit here, but not take a hit across the board. That's yeah, um, a game changer for us. Uh, it's a smart, it's definitely a smart approach. So, um, so moving on for Imagine, would you say the most, comp- where would you say the most competition is coming from these days? And how have changes in the sinographic segment and the printing industry as a whole changed the way the company views its future plans? I think there's, uh, I think there's multiple uh, uh, factors affecting the business today, um, and uh, both internal and external, um, in terms of where competition's coming from. Again, we start with where's the consumer going? What's their behavior? What are their trends? Because that's ultimately where our customers are going to spend their budget dollars. Right. So, uh, I mean, COVID has changed the way consumers act for a year. Nobody went into a store. Right. Uh, right. So it, it wasn't as much about competing with other commercial companies or wide format organizations. We certainly have to be aware of what's happening in the market, but we find ourselves as much competing with the customer's marketing budget and mm-hmm. the, the constituencies that are inside that uh, marketing budget, whether it's digital, social, 
mobile, uh, uh, what have you. And, and I, the, the challenge is to connect your offering to the overall customer strategy. So whether, whether the client is reducing the number of marketing campaigns or reducing the frequency or reducing the size, um, to be able to come to the table and say, all right, we're going to do less, fewer signs. Mm-hmm. Let's put more personalization. Let's make them more relevant to the consumer who's coming in the store, drives value, and therefore you're, you're, you're tying into the customer strategy. Um, you know, our, our future as a company, um, uh, we're always going to be in the business of serving our customers. At our core, we're a print shop. Uh, mm-hmm. We're always going to be a customer service organization. Uh, and can we stretch and grow? For sure we can, but we're not going to try to be something we're not. And and the core of our business continues to be strong and the future bright uh, on the industry as a whole. Okay. Um, among the uh, printing industry businesses I've talked to lately, one commonality I'm seeing is that they're increasingly defining, defining themselves sort of more by the value added services they offer as much as, or even more than the printing services. Um, is this the case with Imagine? I know you said you mentioned the value of the company, this idea of providing the whole, uh, the whole factor. Um, I know you said ultimately you're a print shop, but um, what is the value a customer would see and how would they describe your company? Yeah, great question. Uh, value add, I, I think you, can, you can't look at a supplier's website and not see that word there, right. uh, at least on every page. Um, I'd say this, our, our product offering um, has continued to expand to, to address the entire retail experience. So we're still a traditional in-store graphic company, but, but today we're a branded environments company. How do we bring your brand to life in the store, not just on the signs? How do we, and we're engaging with customers uh, in, in, in one-to-one marketing, connecting that highly personalized message all the way to that last 10 feet on the shelf. And, and what, what we're finding is our clients are looking for uh, partners or extensions of their business that, that can listen and understand, mm-hmm. connect, and then bring ideas back to them based on two things. One, their knowledge of the client uh, and their expertise in the marketplace. And I'll give you a really quick example. One of our sure. customers uh, was uh, very interested in uh, connecting the in-store experience to uh, traditional uh, static graphics, but also uh, digital, but they also had a strong desire to maintain uh, and enhance their sustainability initiative. And so we had to bring um, we had to bring print experts, we had to bring environmental decor experts, we had to bring digital content experts to the table. We had to bring uh, experts in sustainability and raw materials to deliver a solution. We're pretty excited about it, and I can't tell you anything more about it than that. But sure. we're pretty excited about the fact that we've we've met a client need where it was. It started with, we want to change the way our customers engage with our store. They're starting to come back to our store. We want to create a different experience, but we want to be, we want to be committed to our sustainable initiatives as well. And, and we were able to deliver that. And, and so I don't know that we would call that value added as much as that's just a logical extension of the strategy we have. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that challenge of, of taking a new customer, um, uh, direction and running with it. And, and uh, uh, to me, it seems very exciting to be like, how are we going to do this? How, how do we figure this out? Gathering the people around and, and, and hashing that out sounds uh, rather inspiring. Yeah. Like I said, we love, we love the challenge uh, and we love the impossible. Yeah. 
So as a sales professional, then, how would you say the nature of selling print has changed in recent years? And how have you adjusted your approach? And what's the biggest challenge to selling today? Yeah, boy, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think in general, the selling environment today is much more consultative than at any time uh, I've seen it in, in my history. Um, uh, in, the, in the past, you, you, you would engage across the desk from your print buyer and you would talk about your equipment and its speeds and its capabilities and your technology and, and, and where you could potentially save them cost. Mm-hmm. And I'm not minimizing any of that at all. That that at, at a point in time, you're still going to have to cross those bridges and validate your uh, you're going to have to validate your offering. But uh, today, it's much more about listening and helping the client get from, if you will, here to there, and in sometimes helping them define what there is uh, as uh, based upon knowledge and experience. Um, uh, so uh, the the focus of hey, client, what can you do for me, has moved from, uh, hey, client, here's what I can do for you. I find that tremendously motivating and exciting to get to that point where, where you're seen as a, as a valued business partner, mm-hmm. uh, as a part, helping deliver on the critical solutions or the critical challenges they have in their business. Okay. So at, at the start of our chat, um, I, I asked how Imagine describes itself as a company. And let's say looking forward five years from now, do you see that description changing? Is it different? If so, how is it different? And if not, why? Uh, well, five, five years out. Um, uh, I, think I'd be, I think I'd be hard pressed to say this is exactly what's going to happen in five years, right? Especially if I look back on the last, what the, <laughs> two, in the last two years. Um, so uh, I don't know that the description of our organization would change drastically in the in the next five years because at the end of the day we're still focused on the customer, right? If our strategy is to focus on and listen to the customer, um, uh, that's that's where we're going to be five years from today. Could it expand? Absolutely, it could expand. Um, for example, uh, within the last twelve months, uh, the leadership at Imagine created a, an innovation office led by our chief innovation officer Wilson Tang. And uh, his job is to look at where we are today, uh, polish up his crystal ball, uh, and and uh, help us understand where we where we're going to need to be in the future. And so that that requires engaging with our customers, uh, with the folks that make the equipment and technology that we deliver, um, but trying to have a view of what's what's going to happen, what's going to happen in the future. I guess the one thing I can say is uh, that in five years the industry will be different, mm-hmm. but it will move at a much more rapid pace. Okay. And from Imagine's perspective, I think as long as we stay true to the fact that we're, we care passionately about our customers, uh, we'll be a part of that discussion in the future. Okay, so that acceleration you describe, is that technological? Is it, is it in terms of what the customers want from a provider? Is it all of those things? I think it's all of those things. If we look at how we're living our lives today, the pace is frenetic. Yeah. Uh, the amount of information coming at us is, is uh, you know, it's like a fire hose. And, and um, uh, I don't know that we've ever slowed that down in our history. So I think it's a function of all of that. Well, great. Uh, Chris White, thank you so much. Uh, it was great to hear more about the Imagine Group and what, uh, what the company is doing and, and to just get a sense of, of how the company views the industry moving forward. So thank you. You're welcome, Dan. My pleasure. 
Thank you so much to Tony, as well as Dan and Chris for helping bring some great quality content to the Impressions Exchange podcast. And thank you to all of you, our listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode of Impressions Exchange podcast. <laughs>